Welcome, welcome, welcome to another wonderful episode of The Gospel According to Stupid. I'm Johnny Waters, and this is my podcast where I read the Bible from cover to cover because apparently I need Jesus, and I haven't gotten there at all yet, and it's going to be a long fucking time. Uh, business up front. So you can find some cool shit of mine at www.johnwatersvoiceover.com forward slash podcasts where you can find the beginning of this and uh, get a real feel of what the hell's going on. And even if you've been listening for a while, you can donate if you want. And it really helps, you know, throw the extra couple of bucks that I have to do to actually make this happen that I get to do and like to do every uh, twice a week or so. Most of the time. I'm hoping that continues. Um, you can also find me on the Twitter sphere at according, Accord to Stupid. Uh, and then according to stupid at gmail.com for the emails. Um, and all this can be found right in the description. And that's great. So, uh, yeah, America, right? Uh, what the fuck happened? Uh, <laughs> I, what was that? Wednesday, Tuesday, something like that? Uh, that soup, yeah, it must have been Wednesday. It just shit went fucking down, man. Um, at the Capitol, and the world saw and watched as, I don't know how many, they say a couple hundred is what I, I heard, and, uh, it was fucking insane what went down. Um, it, it's deplorable, it's, it's awful, it's un-American, and it's fucking dumb, um, ultimately, because... Well, for one thing, it's it's a lot of folks that are very, very Trumpian, and it is their choice and their right to choose uh, whatever way they want to lead, which, however wrong they happen to be. Um, and it seems, and I'm, I'm not sure, but it seems right on the heels of an election in Georgia which I'm wondering also, I haven't done any research, but I don't know why it took so damn long to get kind of an answer for that. But, um, you know, it, it, we had an election in, in Georgia where the Democrats of a party, which I very much favor, um, took, took the House and Senate, from what I understand, or, or just tipped the scales a bit. Um, so maybe uh, it is hopeful that uh, more good things come from from Democrats, and and I don't mean to make this a religious and political podcast, but let's reckon with the fact that uh, a coup was happening, a, a a domestic terrorist movement happened. Uh, they don't care about America, okay? They, I don't think they do, because you know if you if you're running up there storming it with with Trump signs and so on, and you go up there and you replace the flag, the American flag, with a Trumpian one, you're already pretty skewed. Not already being like, let's take the Capitol, and then all you do, it seems, is fuck around. You know, there it didn't seem like there was like, we're here to do exactly this, and we are going to burn it to the ground, which maybe they had a statement, and I just didn't hear it. But it seemed to me a bunch of people were just noisily, just just screaming their way in there. Um, and, and they took it. They did. And we're 
eventually escorted off, and I'm real surprised that only one person was killed. Only one. And it's a tragedy that anyone was killed in this. Or any, uh, gathering of people. <laughs> Ugh, fucking A, dude. Like... <sighs> Ugh. <laughs> what the fuck? That, that, I think that's, that sums it right the fuck up. You know? Like, how, how can a couple hundred, maybe, people take our, our capital, our nation's capital, with impunity, just in they went, while racial injustice, inequality, all these things that have been protested for longer than I've been alive, <laughs> is still going on with, like, guns drawn and... And, and almost near-open hostility, when, when in the past it seems like, I don't know, they gathered peacefully. Now, it would have been fine if they're like, ah, we took to the streets and we, you know, set our peace to the police there, and then we skedaddled at, you know, 7.30 or 6.30, I guess. Is, they have a curfew there in Washington, D.C., I suppose. Um, which, you know, I, I get. There's a fuck ton of people and still a pandemic going on that hopefully is getting solved. Um, I'm mad about it. I, I, I'm not happy about much of this. I'm glad that, you know, Biden and Harris are taking over the White House and, and it seems that we're moving in a very blue direction because we can, we can see that not a lot has been done and not a lot is going to happen. Not a lot has been happening. And things are going to happen. Things are going to change. You know. And it would have been one thing if there was a president who did nothing. Literally nothing. Like, said no you don't know what he's doing, but hopefully things are getting solved. And then the, that, like, silent, you know, quiet of a White House and no Twitter, no nothing. You kind of assume that things are going to happen. You know. Um, as opposed to, like, the daily constant reminders of, Raising up hate groups and people who, well, are are generally just not great to be around. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I I don't think I've met a a real Trump supporter. I I know people who voted for him, and and I think through the years they've been like, oh shit, and and most most of them have. Others have doubled down on that particular thing, and and I wonder like why, why why do they do this, and why did they hop onto it? And I know that probably a lot of my listeners are probably of the of the red, uh, you know, team. And that's fine. That's perfectly fine. I understand it. Uh, you know, less government and just get the fuck out of my way as a human being. I totally understand it. In fact, I almost agree with it economically. But at the same time, I... I feel I have to disagree with it because it does feel very, like, very individualistic in the sense that like well, it sucks to suck if things suck you know and uh, it's it feels very Ebenezer Scrooge as far as um as far as a political party to me and granted I understand that the woes and fears of <laughs> socialism and whatever the else the fuck but you know it had been really great you know to uh to get some of that money back that I've been throwing at the government for quite a while. Uh, 
like other governments who are clearly <laughs> raising themselves up, where I begin to wonder what is the greatest country in the world. There was uh, what was that show with Jeff uh, Jeff Bridges? Is that no? It's not Jeff Bridges. Um, fuck, what's his name? Like Newsroom, I think is what it's called. Um, Jeff Jeff Daniels, um, where he has this long speech about um the that America isn't the greatest country in the world. Uh, and it's it's true in a in a wide sense of things that it isn't about freedom, it's not about this, it's not about that. And we didn't scare so easy. And I think that's where we're kind of at right now. We're a bit burned, those of us who might sit on the other side or in the middle are a little bit burned by by what it is, and we're shy about it. You know, we're 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 a little bit lost. And I, I wish I could <laughs> talk in a much smarter way and a much more courageous way about, like, this is fucking awful. And I probably should have written something down about it. But, uh, I, I, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. And there are some idiots who are calling for a civil war, which is the dumbest fucking thing. I, I honestly, I bet on it before that it might. I wasn't like, oh, let's fucking go. But like the idea of the two party system and the, the way things were kind of starting to move in this country seemed to suggest that something like this might have come up, might come up and still might. It, it is entirely possible. Um, but I don't want necessarily a part of it. <laughs> And I, mostly because I'm, well, one, I'm not a fighter. I'm certainly not a veteran. So I can't honestly say, uh, <laughs> you know, what what I do beyond probably getting the fuck out of Dodge. Because uh, you hear about all these folks who are just ready, saying that they're ready to go. And there is a number of them that are gun-toting and literally ready. They're just waiting for someone to light the spark. And there are others who say that they are ready to take on the, the mantle and fight for their America, whatever it is, in their minds, and so on. Um, but there are certainly several others on the other side who are like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, let's, let's not be so divisive. And if you're going to be so divisive, how can you talk about it? How can you talk about coming together when you're already ready to lay down, throw down hands, as it were? Um, ugh. It's all disgusting to me. These, <laughs> these fellow countrymen who, who maybe they have no faith of them, them for themselves, and maybe they ha don't necessarily have it necessarily in what this podcast will eventually be about, um, but if they don't have that, that faith in their fellow man, their fellow person, their fellow human, uh, whatever creed or race or, um, <laughs> whatever they are. And I think that's where most of this is. It, it instantly became an us against them. And it's always been a little bit of that, but politics is about a lot of compromise. It always has been, and it always will be. Government is always one of these colossal theaters of and it's kind of interesting in that way and that's why we make movies about it that's why we make tv shows about it that 
that they try to find the best solution, and everyone thinks that they have the right one. And of course, there can only be one right way, or one way that you can move uh, in, in a certain situation or a certain, certain policy. But certainly we cannot allow people to be breaking down barricades or allowed through, as some videos I've seen, um, and let them take the capital. And nearly, it seems, start to like smoke up the place, burn it down. And all they do, they don't, make, they don't seem to make demands, but they're trying to take away the things that make democracy what it is, the votes. The honesty and the faith that we have to have in our elected officials and that they will count the votes, that people are registered, and those that are not registered do not get to vote, you know, like it has been for a good chunk of time. And that every voice and every vote does matter. And it changes the world. And that majority wins. And it's not these few idiots who are coming in just to make whatever loud noises that they are. Because this is going to be a moment in history that we and the rest of the world will look at and hopefully remember as like, that shit happened. But I have a feeling that this hopefully, under this new administration, will be a blip. It'll be more... I don't want to say harsh. Because I do think we need to put the fear of America back into Americans a little. Now look. <laughs> I know that sounds like, yay, more government, and let's, let's get under some, like, Orwellian uh, <laughs> 1984 sort of feel in it. No, no, that's not what I mean. What I mean is that the fear that, or reverence to America, maybe that's the better word, reverence to America, because if you don't have the respect to actually talk these things through and you invade, you literally, they invaded into a seat of government for i assume the only sole purpose is to take the votes and remove them and burn them and do whatever they wanted to to keep an election from happening yeah it's i hope we get somewhere with that i hope we get some respect you know And I don't know, I, maybe most Americans are thinking more with their pocketbooks than most of anything, and most people do. And that's where most things happen. If you are making money because of under this, uh, 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 this administration for whatever reason, great. Like, you're more inclined to be with it. If you, if you benefit from any election, whether on the local or, or higher power, great, wonderful. But look, I, I think... <laughs> Mostly for me, if not for several other reasons, and fuck it, I'll list them here if I can. Fuck it, why not? I'm, <laughs> I'm in this. Uh, I, I think we'll bring some more humanity into the highest of governing powers. It wasn't this boasting. It wasn't this uh, lording over. It wasn't this buying into a mythology of America. You know, and it wasn't living there, you understand. Because I can believe as much as I want into any sort of myth, and that's part of why I'm doing this podcast as well. Because I'm still not much of a believer. 
I'd like to find it out, but then maybe it'll change. But here's the thing. I believe that most of the Trumpian folks have bought into the American dream, and most of us should, and we all should, honestly, that we can be the greatest country on the planet. I'd like it. It'd be great. Yay. Can we agree? Fantastic. I imagine others in other countries want their country to be the greatest country in the world as well. I feel that's a non that's fair, right? That's not bad. But how to get there is not by living in some weird shadow or in the idea that we are better because we are what we are. We are born that way. That leads to a very dangerous slippery slope. And yeah, it's a slippery slope argument. But it leads to some very slippery slopes. You got you kind of got to understand. Because if you're like, my country's the greatest because we're working to make it the best. And here's the, you know, 100-page packet on, <laughs> on the infrastructure. And here's what we're implementing. And here's where we're putting the good things in. How are we improving the lives of people and giving people more jobs? And ensuring that there will be another job come, you know, next season, next fall, tomorrow. You know. And... Not to just sign on and just be like, America's great, right? Yeah! And then you leave. You know. So, I think we this administration won't live in that. And I believe that Biden, because he has been a vice president for, you know, eight years and gets to hop up the ladder after a bit, he knows the job. He knows he has seen it firsthand. Well, secondhand, I suppose. Uh, and so why would we not go for that? Someone who has worked with the, the infrastructure of America, as well as to uh, the other countries around the world, who we are going to have to work with. And while on some level I do understand that the isolationism of, like, we gotta just stay on our own, da 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 doesn't really work when we have people all over the fucking world. You know, if it was just America keeping to America, it would we we wouldn't have people in the Middle East. We wouldn't have, uh, you know, various other bases all around, and so on. I imagine. No, sure. I met you. I don't know shit about the military, and most folks would be like, "Fuck you!" All right now, um, and that's fine because I don't know. <laughs> and I just had the thought that maybe, you know, Trey Parker and Matt Stone had it right with. Team America World Police, you know. We're fucking everywhere. Embassies are a different thing. Military bases, however, are a bit different. And I can understand that, you know, North Korea is kind of a questionable place. Russia is has always been a bit of a questionable place, but we've always been also been questionable to the Russian people and the Russian government, if we're going to be fair. Our long history kind of lends itself to that. And, ugh, fuck. Anyway, so back to the main topic, I suppose. I, I, I believe under this new administration that starts in 12 days, am I right? Will move us toward uniting the world as opposed to separating us and bullying and chest thumping when we have nothing to show for it. But we do need to have a lot of work done on us. It's not, it's true. Because if a peaceful protest that we have seen, and yeah, there have been riots and looters at any 
protest, and protests of various kinds, but a good chunk of them have been great, like what a protest should be. People with signs spouting the things that they believe against the things that are wrong, or they believe are wrong, and gathering en masse, but no one gets hurt. They show up to show that they support these things, and that the pressure is on for those few, those few elected in office, who go, turns out a lot of people give a shit about this, and we should probably vote accordingly, because if we're going to be the voice of the people, we need to be the voice for the fucking people. You understand. At least as far as I know. And again, I <laughs> government class was a long time ago, and I only know, remember and know so much. But I think under this, people will heal. I believe under this that we will solve a lot of problems. Namely, we'll bring back the, like, you know, the... Uh, the pandemic response uh, division <laughs> that was removed. <laughs> and I, I think a lot of things are going to come right back. Things that are good. Things that help. And yeah, like, nothing's ever a free deal. That's, no, that's always been the case. <laughs> it's always going to be that way. But it's so far, it seems to me that any sort of deal that's been put up or put around hasn't really put anybody crazily out of work. And those they have, who's, they can find another job. And I'm mostly I'm talking about those few coal-burning folks and what have you. <laughs> you know, the, the world is changing, that we're evolving. Technology is moving forward and better and easier forms of of energy and communication are available and it all it takes is just a little bit of of learning you know nothing on this planet is terribly hard you know i i might not know how to build a deck but like you know if you, if you kind of show me how after a bit you know it's not actually terribly difficult a couple of screws here some cuts of wood and a, quite a few me double measurements and one cuts you know it, after a bit you're just like well you just Kind of put it together. It's not impossible. Ugh. Ugh. <sighs> yeah, I'm. I'm gonna live with that for a bit, and I. I you know, it's gonna come a time being like, what were you doing during the Trump and the pandemic time? Like. <laughs> Hiding out in a very red city and state for, and trying to, you know, fight the good fight as best I could while trying to keep the peace from people who are literally insane for trying to deny either climate or uh, climate change or the pandemic itself or wearing masks and, and so on. And, and trying just to, be gentle about it without trying to incite anything, or what have you. But there are more of us than there are of them. And I think this was just a dark four years for us. I think the next four might be pretty okay. You know, it's, it's gonna take a hot minute 
And those first 100 days are going to be fucking bonkers. But I imagine after that, I, you know, after people are starting to get stimulus checks, I imagine some tunes are going to change if stimulus checks continue. Um, and I hope that they do, because not that I necessarily need them, but there are several people who certainly do. And they have been hurting pretty bad under a, a president who should give a shit, you know. And maybe that's it too. You know, we we had we had someone who just didn't give a flying fuck. And you know, for some folks that's that's uh something to be commendable and and in some ways it it can be. I can understand it. I can understand just like, oh yeah, he just does what he wants to do. Now, you know, you can grab him by the pussy and <laughs> trying to force some stuff and trying to get elected officials to bully them bullying them to get more votes and things like that when we, sorry buddy there's no votes to be had you are going to fucking lose how do i self-pardon you fucking can't dumbass as far as i know otherwise if you could the fuck <laughs> like nixon would have done it so uh i don't know i I have a hard time hopping onto a Republican party. I do. And especially after this. <laughs> uh, because I, I can understand the original intent. We're going to shake it up. We're going to change. We're going to put someone who's not a politician into this, even though business is politics. Everything's politics, really. If you look into it in some way, whether you have office politics or working politics or you have a hierarchy of some sort, you've got a people to appease and people to talk to and compromise with. But if you're, if you're changing it up from totally different sort of things, we've had actors and other uh, such folks in the Oval Office and, you know, Reagan, I think, did fine. I'm really not too sure about trickle-down economics, but then again, I'm not an economist, so what the fuck do I know? Um, but even that, I understand the idea. Trump, I've never really understood. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure what he wants. I think he wants to see it burn. I think he wants to see an order made and something happen. I think he's one of those who moronically wants to be king of the ashes. And it's not from amb an ambitious standpoint, and it's not from a greed standpoint. I think it's an because that ambition it makes sense to me that you, that you will go to the very ends of the earth to to get to this position, or you are going to make yourself and those of your little cronies super rich, which doesn't mean that he didn't. But I, I think he just wanted to see it burn, and I think the people who are still just like, yeah, all right, and still with Trump, going like, we took the Capitol. What else can we fucking do? Hopefully, are going to be sorely mistaken and harshly punished for their bits of arrogance. Because we need some more respect in, the middle, in our own America, for Americans to America. Not just the outside world. We will deal with that eventually. It's going to take a hot minute for those four years to go like, Hi, 
Anyway, we know what we're doing, and we'd like to talk. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm... I don't know. I wish I'd done something, I guess. I, I spoken out, talked about it, gone to a couple more rallies, I suppose, or something. I don't know. I the you know, the regret of the things I haven't necessarily done. You know, uh, of like, man, I, I I wonder and I also kinda look back of like, well what could I have really done <laughs> other than like show up and be like, all right, you know, and and support the things that I believe in. Black Lives Matter, uh, the impeachment of said Trump. <laughs> because it's toxic there. It's awful. There's nothing good coming out of it. We got 1800 bucks and I still I, I mean, I'm hoping to get. My second stimulus check but there are other countries who are giving you know 1800 a month 3000 a month what the fuck if we're supposed to be the greatest country in the world how can we not do this in this unprecedented well not necessarily in this in this time of times where we can see the history that there are pandemics that come and go that we solve them that we fix them and and hopefully the, those in power and those with the ability to do it do something about it instead of removing the needs and and pointing out that no no it doesn't you know just eh, you mean fine this thing is not something that we have encountered and it's not like we can produce a vaccine immediately it's not like we can solve the problem with a flick of a switch anymore when something new like this comes along, it shakes everything up a bit. It changes us. And maybe for the better. And if this Civil War thing does have any legs, which is just going to be insane, I begin to wonder how much longer I would want to stay in America and remain as an American. And I can only imagine for those who have fought for this country, those who do not support Trump, who are of the, I'm assuming, and I don't really know, I can't speak for everyone, but there are quite a few uh, former military and probably current military as well as veterans and etc. who who look on now, and, and I, I want to hear from both sides, of course, but I, I wonder what, what it's like to go through that. And maybe it's a little, um, is it masochistic of me? To, to, <laughs> to go to a place where you are, are changed in the worst way. And, and there are good things that come out of it. Don't, don't get me wrong, you know, we, the military is a good thing. Yeah, um, but to have fought for a place and, and see what it has become 
And to at, at one point, I'm sure there was a pride about it. There had to have been. If not, maybe a necessity or, or it just was, you know, the best job at the time. Whatever the reason. But, there, you know, there's always some pride about it. There's always the, the even the romanticized as well as the, the physical and the, the, the real thing of saying the thing that you can say if you ever was in the, were in the military. You were a veteran. And that's incredible. That puts you already at like a high peak of, in my opinion. But what happens when the country that you fought for, you become disenfranchised with, you disillusioned with, whatever it is, what does that look like? And maybe, maybe this becomes a time of more, more people getting into politics, more people really fighting for it and going, I fought this war over here, but now it looks like I got to fight at home too. Now, I'm not talking necessarily like bring your guns and bayonets and so on. I mean more like we got to stand up for what we're, we're doing. And maybe after all of this, we, we discover our backbones, our ability to either dismiss the insanity that is around us or bring in the discussions better. That America, while it is red, white, and blue and apple pie, and it still can be, needs to look around at the dinner table once in a while, I think. Um, ugh. I hope things get better. You know, I, I, I think that's where most of us are going to sit. I think, I hope, things get better. And uh, I can't imagine it's going to happen overnight, and it probably won't. But uh, it, I, I think we're in for a brighter future under this. I think we're, we're in for a more educated future, I hope. <laughs> People can't be led astray by, a, by an orange man in, in the highest office of the, of the land. Ugh. <sighs> Ugh, I gotta sit with that for a minute. Um, <laughs> on that note, I really wish that uh, <laughs> things, you know, moved a bit quicker in the legal system, but it's just me. I imagine there's a lot of red tape they gotta go through and people they gotta call and uh, whatever. Anyway, we weren't going to talk about politics. We were going to talk about religion, the bigger subject. Um, so here we go, okay? Okay, so the fuck happened last time? <laughs> um, all right, so last time we had, oh, yeah, we had the Assyrian king show up uh, to Judea, I think, or uh, Judah. And uh, he, he was spouting some, he was, he was dropping some knowledge, I, I will say. He was dropping some questions and things. And he had his own history to bring about of like, hey man, I've taken over a lot of places and places that are probably more cooler than yours. And listen, you claim that your God will save you and I don't think that he will because what's the difference between their God and yours? 
And apparently, God showed up at that moment because, you know, he, he's not a big fan of being questioned by anybody, even his own followers. He's not a big fan of being questioned at all. So God was pissed, but only at that one guy. And eventually, I'm sure he's going to get mad at the king who's under, you know, <laughs> who's, uh, who's running things. But um, I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, so that kind of happened, and he sent an angel down and just cleaved everybody. And then it seemed like, I think, this uh, the Assyrian king's kids killed him, it sounded like. And I think that's how it went. Um, so that's where we're at. Um, you know what? Maybe we'll finish this today. We'll make it a big-ass chapter. Um, I don't know how long these chapters are, so we'll, we'll fucking see. Uh, chapter 33, and if you'd like to follow along, go to kingjamesbibleonline.org, and we can go from there. Uh, chapter 33, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. Pretty good deal. Uh, but did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Well, fuck, he's 12. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down, and he reared up altars for Baalim, and made groves and worshipped all the hosts of heaven, and served them. Okay, hang on. The high places are bad, and we're hailing this uh, Balaam or Baalim or whomever, but we're, he also worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. So this is a questionable thing. Who is exactly Baalim? And if he's apparently in this thing, if he is some sort of host in heaven or some sort of thing, um, <clears throat> is it necessarily bad? It'd be like putting more reverence, I suppose, to St. Michael, I guess. But I've never really heard of Balaam, except for, you know, kings and this and all that. But, like, I'm assuming he's a false god. Probably making some really good promises about, you know, stripper factories and beer volcanoes and shit like that. You know, stuff I can get behind. Also, he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall thy name be forever. Okay. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the, heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. So he's just, in my mind, he seems to be covering everybody, just in case. But he's probably not. And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also, he observed times, and used enchantments, and used witchcraft, and dealt with a familiar spirit, and with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. You know what makes me pretty happy about this is that if we're to believe God and all the words of the Bible, it also means that wizards exist, and enchantments, and witchcraft, and things like that. Because witchcraft, and it might be very sexist, and it probably very much is, and it's, I need to check my biased. Is that what I'm doing now? Checking my bias in, in, in this. But it seems like witchcraft is awful, but wizards are fucking rad. And I think one of like the first times that's really kind of changed is, you know, Harry Potter, where we had witches and wizards who are together with wands and doing good things and bad wizards and witches doing bad things and so on. But, you know, I'm also talking about Lord of the Rings ones where it's like, we're men! And... <laughs> There's not a lot of female ones in there, and those that are are not necessarily the best, from what I understand. Um, and also, like, we burn witches. We don't burn wizards. <laughs> they have beards. Uh, it's awful. But just putting it out there that it's like, oh, well, if the Bible's to be, be, be believed, we also have to believe in magic. 
right? In some way, or at least some really good con men and women, <laughs> anyway, and he set a carved image, the idol which he had made in the house of God, of which God had sent to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Probably not your name, but I'll put my name. I'm going to put your name, because fuck you. Fuck your future generations, because I'm going to fuck them. Uh, so Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err. All right, let's blame the king. And to do worse than the heathen, whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. I can see some parallels. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but let me be clear. While Trump is the head of this whole thing, and what I was talking about before, uh, there are others below him that need to be put to justice. It isn't just one man, <laughs> or woman for that matter. There's a lot that needs to go down. And while it is a generality, and maybe I should understand in this as well that it's a generality for this, it doesn't seem that way. Because it seems like he's doing, like, these bad kings that come and go in these particular chapters seem to be that they're, that God is punishing everyone because of his inability to go like, Hey God, thumbs up, you know. So there's a difference here. Let's, let's admit this, you know. And also they don't really say much about like, And the gatherings were fucking huge. Coachella has nothing on this. Yeah, ball him. Let's suck his big chrome dick. Let's do that. Um, so, bit of a difference, you know? Throwing it out there. Punish the wrongdoers, motherfuckers. Anyway, uh, and the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. Aha! Okay, never mind. Uh, so, so I prove my own sort of weird-ass point, I guess, of, like, God's talking to him and his people. His people, not all, not, well, it, does it Manasseh's people or Lord, the Lord's people? A little vague. But I'm assuming it's about Manasseh and his people, but they would not hearken. Uh, so it's, even if, it does sound to, it does seem to run that it is Manasseh's people. So those who worked with him, God's like, hey, could you not fucking do this shit? We just solved this. I don't need you bringing it the fuck back. Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the kings of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. Oh, well, our new Assyrian king showed up, got the king, brought him back to Babylon. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the, Lord, the God of his fathers. Well, duh, dude. He's in fucking prison. And he's in, like, fetters and shit. That's not fun. And prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him, and heard his supplication, and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. Oh, well, I mean, thank you. Now after this, he built a wall without the city of David. Not without them, but, like, on the outside on the west side of Gihon, in the valley, even to the entering of the fish gate, and compassed about Ophel, 
and raised it up a very great height and put captains of war in all the fenced cities of Judah. And he took away the strange gods and the idol out of the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord. And in Jerusalem he cast them out of the city and he repaired the altar of the Lord and sacrificed thereon peace offerings and thank offerings and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Well, okay, good. It, this is a story about repentance. You can be bad and you can be talked to and you can be punished, but you can potentially, not every time because God's real picky, uh, come out on the other end a-okay. Uh, Nevertheless, fuck, the people did sacrifice still in the high places, yet unto the Lord their God only. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer unto his God, and the words of the seers that spake to him in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Behold, they are written in the book of kings of Israel. So we just read those. His prayer also, and how God was entreated of him, and all his sin and his trespass, and the places wherein he built high places, and set up groves and graven images before he was humbled. Behold, they were written among the sayings of the seers. Nito! So Manasseh slept with his fathers, and he buried him in his own house. And Ammon, his son, reigned in his stead. As I recall, Ammon was pretty okay. Ammon was two and twenty years old when he began to reign, and reigned two years in Jerusalem. But he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Well, I was wrong. As did uh, Manasseh his father, for Ammon sacrificed unto all the carved images which Manasseh his father had made, and served them, and humbled himself not before the Lord, as Manasseh his father had humbled himself, humbled himself, but Ammon trespassed more and more. You'd think they'd fucking talk to each other! Be like, hey, hi, <laughs> listen to me, boy. Um, and his servants conspired against him and slew him in his own house. This happened a couple of times, didn't it? But the people of the land slew all of them that had conspired against King Ammon, and the people of the land made Josiah, his son, king in his stead. Well, okay, so we have a guy going like, let's go back to the way things used to be, and people killed them, and then more people killed them. And then they're like, you know, Josiah should fucking do this. Okay, chapter 34. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. What the fuck? And he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. Not a bad way to go. Thirty-nine and dead. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. Which I'm still a little lost on the meaning of that. Or I think I looked it up, but I don't quite remember what it fucking means. Um, but maybe he, he wasn't one side or the other. He was a little in the middle when it came to certain things. So he, you know, he had audiences maybe with both sides. Uh-huh. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places, and the groves and the carved images, and the molten images. And they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence, and the images that were on high above them he cut down. And the groves and the carved images and the molten images he break in pieces and made dust of them. And strode them, hmm, strode it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. Fucking metal. Literally, it seems. Because he's pretty much burning down this whole other area of, of templing and whatnot, of, of worship. And he's clearly killed all of those who's, uh, who were sacrificing to them. And on their graves, he sprinkles the ashes of the place that they were. 
That's pretty fucking cool. Not gonna lie, this 16-year-old was pretty great. <laughs> um, and he burnt the bones of the priests upon their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so did he in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon, even unto Nephtali and their mattocks round about. Now that I think about it, was he 20? And uh, when he had broken down the altars and the groves and had beaten the graven images into powder and cut down all the idols throughout the old land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. Now in the eighteenth year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, house he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and uh, Maseah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joaz, Joahaz, uh, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. All right, we've taken down the bad shit. Let's fix up the good shit. And when they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of the God, uh, which the Levites that kept the doors had gathered at the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim and of all the remnant of Israel and of all Judah and Benjamin, and they returned to Jerusalem. Here we go. And they put it in the hand of the workmen that were oversawed of the house of the Lord, and they gave it to the workmen that wrought in the house of the Lord to repair and amend the house. Even to the artificers and builders gave they it, to buy hewn stone and timber for couplings, and to floor the houses of the kings of Judah, the, which the kings of Judah had destroyed. And the men did the work faithfully. And the overseers of them were Johath and Obadiah, the Levites of the sons of Merari, and Zechariah and uh, Mushalam of the sons of the Kothites to set it forward, and other of the Levites, all that could skill of instruments of music. So we had music playing, and we had people who could carve good shit and lay floors and, you know, builders and workers. These are holy men. Also they, uh, were, uh, also, they were over the bearers of burdens, and were overseers of all that wrought the work in any manner of service. And of the Levites, there were scribes and officers and porters. And when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. Uh-huh. I'm beginning to think he didn't, but here we go. And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. And Shaphan carried the book to the king and brought the king word back again, saying, All that was committed to thy servants, they do it. And they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hand of the overseers and to the hand of the workmen. And uh, then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, hath given me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. I imagine it was pretty short. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the law, that he rent his clothes, and the king commanded Hilkiah and Achiham, uh, Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and uh, Abdon, the son of Micah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Asiah, uh, a servant of the king, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me, and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah, concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us. Because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord, to do after all that is written in this book. Okay, so he's like, fucking I, son of a bitch! And then telling these people who should be talking to God to be like, hey, 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 ask him about that fucking book, because that's fucking important. Okay, <laughs> because I don't think the people who are living here and dying here and working here can deal with the idea that God is pissed, happy, and then pissed again, and then happy, happy, pissed, pissed, and then various different patterns after that. So hopefully 
let's look at this fucking book that Moses maybe wrote and, you know, see if this is legit and exactly what we need to do because we need to start printing this motherfucker. Right? As would be my assumption. And Hilkiah and they that the king had appointed went to Huldah the prophetess. Ooh, that's a different thing. I like prophetesses. Uh, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvath, the son of Hasherah, keeper of the wardrobe. Nice. Now, she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college. Oh, there were colleges back then? Shit. And they spake to her to that effect. The fuck? Why? What? Huh. Interesting. So, not only are we having a female looking into this when we've been very male-centric so far, but she is going to hopefully let us know the truth about the whole matter. And I hope it doesn't do anything bad, because I don't remember. Uh, and she answered them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell ye the man that's you, that sent you to me. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah. Thanks, God. Appreciate it. Because they have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be poured out upon this place and shall not be quenched. Well, hang on! I just burned down these fucking places! I did some metal shit by putting the dust of probably several acres of land, I'm assuming, onto the dead bodies of people who I ordered to be killed to be like, fuck you, and I'm repairing your fucking temple! We're working our way up, and you're still fucking mad? Anyway. And as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall ye say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard. All right, because thine heart... Uh, because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God, when thou heardest the words against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest myself before thee, thyself before me, and didst rend thy clothes and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. So he's like, I'm going to kill everybody. But I did hear you. Behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered to thy grave in peace. Neither shall thine eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place and upon the inhabitants of the same. So they brought the king word again. <laughs> okay, God, you're really having a hard time selling yourself, being like, fuck you. I'm going to fucking kill a bunch of people. I'll give you some rest, though. Thanks for removing the high places. Thanks for that. I don't think he was at the microphone. Then the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests, and the Levites, and all the people, great and small. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. All right, we're going to read it all, and we're just going to deal with it. And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant which are written in this book. And he caused all that were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin <laughs> okay, to stand to it. 
And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of the Lord, the God of their fathers. And Josiah took away all the abominations out of all the countries that pertained to the children of Israel, and made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. And all his days they departed not from following the Lord and the God of their fathers. But did God kill everybody? I guess we'll see. Chapter 35. Moreover, Josiah kept a Passover unto the Lord in Jerusalem, and they killed the Passover on the fourteenth day of the first month. And he sent the priests in their charges and encouraged them to service of the house of the Lord, and said unto the Levites that taught all Israel, which were holy unto the Lord, Put the holy ark in the house which Solomon the son of David king of Israel did build. It shall not be a burden upon your shoulders. Serve now the Lord your God and his people Israel, and prepare yourselves by the houses of your fathers after your courses, according to the writing of David king of Israel, and according to the writing of Solomon his son. Not a bad couple of passages there. Um, fuck, I was going to say something and I totally forgot. Um... And stand in the holy place according to the divisions of the families of the fathers of your brethren, uh, the people, and after the division of the families of the Levites. So kill the Passover and sanctify yourselves and prepare your brethren, that they may do according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And Josiah gave to the people of the flock lambs and kids, all for the Passover offerings, and all that were present, to the number of thirty thousand and three thousand bullocks, uh, these were of the king's substance. So it sounds like he's giving a bunch of his own stock out to people. And his princes gave willingly unto the people, to the priests and to the Levites, Hilkiah and Zechariah and Jehiel, rulers of the house of God, gave unto the priests for the Passover offerings 2,600 small cattle and 300 oxen. Conaniah also, and Shemaiah and Nethaniel, his brethren, and Hashabiah, and Jeel and Josabad, chief of the Levites, gave unto the Levites for Passover offerings five thousand small cattle and five hundred oxen. Nito. So the service was prepared, and the priests stood in their place, and the Levites in their course, according to the king's commandment. And they killed the Passover, and the priests sprinkled the blood from their hands, and the Levites flayed them. Maybe they killed all those number of things. Hmm. And they removed the burnt offerings that they might give according to the divisions of the families of the people. Oh, to offer unto the Lord. Yay! as it is written by the book of Moses, and so did they with the oxen. Great, we're getting food. And they roasted the Passover with fire according to the ordinance. But the other holy offerings sawed they in pots and in cauldrons and in pans, and divided them speedily among all the people. And afterward they made ready for themselves and for the priests, because the priests, the son of Aaron, were busied in offering the burnt offerings and the fat until... Uh, night. Therefore the Levites prepared for themselves and for the priests the sons of Aaron. And the singers, the sons of Asaph, were in their place, according to the commandment of David and Asaph and Haman, Heman, and Judithan, uh, the king's seer. And the porters waited at every gate, and they might not depart from the service of their brethren, the Levites prepared for them. Okay. So, all the service of the Lord was prepared the same day to keep the Passover and to offer burnt offerings upon the altar of the Lord, according to the commandment of King Josiah. And the children of Israel that were present kept the Passover at that time, and the feast of unleavened bread seven days. And there was no Passover like to that kept in Israel from the days of Samuel the prophet. Neither did all the kings of Israel keep such a Passover as Josiah kept, and the priests and the Levites and all Judah and Israel that were present and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In the eighteenth year of the reign of Josiah was this Passover kept. All right. His eighteenth year is like, he was like, what, 20, 26, 
right? 26, if he's 26 years old, he's doing quite a bit then. He's hearing a bunch of stuff and whatever. After all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, Necho, king of Egypt, came up to fight against Karchemish by Euphrates, and Josiah went out against him. I'm assuming Karchemish. But he sent ambassadors to him, saying, What have I to do with thee, thou king of Judah? I come not against thee this day, but against the house wherewith I have war. For God commanded me to make haste, forbear thee from meddling with God who is with me, that he destroy thee not. Fair enough. Nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguised himself that he might fight with him, and hearkened not unto the words of, of Necho from the mouth of God, and came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. And the archers shot at King Josiah, and the king said to his servants, Have me away, for I am sore wounded. So he clearly got hit by one or two. His servants therefore took him out of that chariot and put him in the second chariot that he had, and they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died, and was buried in one of the sepulchres of his fathers, and all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah, because he wanted to go to war. And Jeremiah lamented for Josiah, and all the singing men and all the singing women spake of Josiah in their lamentations to this day, and made them an ordinance in Israel, and behold, they are written in the lamentations. Okay. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and his goodness, according to that which written in the law of the Lord, and his deeds, first and last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. Chapter 26. This is the last one, kiddos, before we do like a review one next week or something. Um, yeah, chapter 36. Then the people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and made him king in his father's stead in Jerusalem. Jehoahaz was twenty and three years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. Holy shit! And the king of Egypt put him down at Jerusalem and condemned the land in a hundred talents of silver and a talent of gold. And the king of Egypt made Eliakim his brother king over Judah and Jerusalem and turned his name to Jehoiakim. And Necho took Jehoahaz his brother and carried him to Egypt. Jehoiakim was twenty and five years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. So we've lost the... Uh, <laughs> the reign of David, I suppose, right? Uh, so we have people of Egypt who have taken that over. We have, uh, not a, what I just read, not Assyria, but other folks, uh, came up and took that out. Against him came up Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and bound him in fetters and carried him to Babylon. Seems like a lot of folks are just like, you're coming with me. Nebuchadnezzar also carried of the vassals of the house of the Lord to Babylon and put them in his temple at Babylon. Now, the rest of the acts of Joachim and his admonitions, which he did, and uh, that which was found in him, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel in Judah. And Joachim, his son, reigned in his stead. Uh, so we're being reigned by an Egyptian now. Jehoiachin was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months and ten days in Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, because he's Egyptian. Not to, not to say that Egyptians are evil, but probably in this case, he's probably worshipping a couple more gods than the current Hebrew people around him. I assume. Um... And when the year was expired, King Nebuchadnezzar uh, sent and brought him to Babylon with the goodly vessels of the house of the Lord, even though he just took his dad, and made Zedekiah his brother king over Judah and Jerusalem. 
so we're kind of keeping it in the family, I guess. Zedekiah was one and twenty years old when he began to reign, and reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. There's no way that kid wasn't killed. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God, and humbled not himself before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of the Lord, finally fucking spoke up. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear by God. But he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart from turning unto the Lord God of Israel. Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the admonitions of the heathen, and polluted the house of the Lord which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. Did he? Because he didn't do fucking shit. But they mocked the messengers of God, I can understand that, especially now, and despised his words, and they misused his prophets, I don't know how you would misuse one, until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, till there was no remedy. I'm mad at everybody! Therefore he brought upon them the king of the Chaldees, who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their old sanctuary, and had no compassion among young man or maiden, old man, or him that stooped for age. He gave them all into his hand. So he's killing a bunch of people because, like, fuck this! Yay, you, king of the Chaldees! Guess what you get to do? What do I get to do? Kill all my people! <laughs> okay. And all the vessels of the house of the Lord, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. And they burnt the house of the God, and brake down the wall of Jerusalem, and burnt all the palaces thereof with fire, and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. Yea, a happy ending. And them that escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon, where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed their Sabbaths. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill threescore and ten years. Okay. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, Uh, that he made proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me, and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? The Lord is God, the Lord his God be with him, and let him go up. So, I guess all's well that ends well, right? Right? Okay, because so what just happened was like a bunch of people was like, no, I'm the king. I'm the king. I'm the... And Nebuchadnezzar was like, no, you're not. No, you're fucking not. And <laughs> eventually, God just brought in a dude. Let's just wipe this clean a little bit. Fuck it. And, uh, oh, by the way, I, I know I told you guys I wouldn't say sell you into bondage, but <laughs> I totally am gonna for a little bit. Just, just a smidge of time. Just a little bit. It's barely even servitude. You're you're still getting fed, so you're not really a slave. So, like, whatever, you know. Eh. Um, yeah. But that brings us to the end of that. Now we're into Ezra. Uh, so we... Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25... More of these fucking books to get through, but there's only 10 chapters in Ezra, so this will be, assumingly, pretty quick. Uh, we'll start, hopefully, flying through this. I know I know. Um, Psalms and Proverbs are 
and probably Ecclesiastes are pretty long, I imagine. But uh, a couple more of these are probably, you know, not terribly long, you know. Um, so there you have it. That's where we're at. Um, that's been the podcast. Uh, I just got a text from my wife saying that maybe I should skip to Revelations to see if we are really in the end of times. Uh, ha ha. Very funny. Um, if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, hate mail, etc., you can find me at the places listed in the description. Um, and if you want to hire me, of course, you can follow, You can go to that website that I spoke about in the beginning. Thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, you've been gospel to by the stupid. <laughs>